0: Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market view on Money FM
1: 89.3. Good afternoon, I'm Chuan Tian with your market view now. It's going to be an extremely busy week for investors, particularly those in the US. We know that the US Federal Reserve officials, they are set to meet later today and tomorrow to decide how it's going to move interest rates to quell red hot prices. Plus, about one-third of the S&P 500s companies are also due to report earnings this week. There's just so much to look forward to, but which companies should we focus on and how are markets preparing ahead of the incoming data? For more, I'm joined by Sean Cruz, Head of Trading Strategies at TD Ameritrade. Mr. Cruz, thanks for joining us on the line.
0: Thank you for having me. Always glad to chat with you.
1: A data-heavy week from the U.S. Indeed, let's start perhaps on the U.S. Federal Reserve's monetary policy decision. Earlier markets, they were betting on a 1% rate hike after June's inflation data came in hotter than expected. Now they are back to predicting a 75 basis point hike. Why the change?
0: So the big thing was, if you look at what the Fed hiking rates was supposed to achieve, it was really to cool down the economy and, by extension, um, also rein in inflation. And ever since we got that sort of hotter than expected inflation reading, the market's initial reaction was they haven't done enough. They're going to have to go a little bit further. And instead of doing 75 basis points, do a full percentage point. Increase, But since then, we've actually gotten some of the weekly jobless claims data where you can see how many people are filing for unemployment insurance and how many people remain on unemployment insurance. That has been moving higher. And we've also seen a lot of housing data showing that the housing market is also starting to come in a little bit. And if you look at the commodity landscape as well, um, a lot of these commodities are well off some of the highs that we had seen in trade to earlier on in the year which really stoked a lot of those initial infl- inflationary fears and drove a lot of uh, inflation going down the pipeline so i think from the federal reserve's point of view What they were intending to do was sort of starting to take traction in the economy and maybe another 75 basis points will be sufficient to continue that.
1: Has inflation peaked in your opinion? And as usual, what is the likely outcome on Wednesday when the Fed concludes its monetary policy meeting?
0: I think we've gotten a little bit of um, an indication that inflation has started to peak out. Last year, everyone kept saying it was transitory. This year, everyone has continued to say they think it's hit its peak. So I think we're seeing the data, not only in the commodity complex move lower, but also if you look at some of these PMI numbers, these manufacturing surveys, they're also pointing to um, prices being paid coming down as well. So I think we're starting to see inflation at least roll over here to some extent. The Federal Reserve I think, is, is still c- comfortable um, with maintaining their somewhat aggressive pace of uh, rate hikes around 75 basis points. Right now, that is the base case for markets. If they were to hike more than that, if they were to do that 1%, I think that might scare markets because they would read that as the Fed is seeing something out there that that we aren't. And maybe they really are trying to cool things off. They're seeing something in the data that we aren't seeing ourselves, and and that might spook markets just a little bit.
1: Mm. And given the fact that we might stay with that seventy five basis point hike, are we expecting the U.S. GDP data to show a contraction? Are we expecting a technical recession in Q two?
0: I'm right. I talked to. I'm here in Chicago, but I have a lot of colleagues out in New York City and some of the other financial centers here. Mm-hmm. And pretty much every trader I talk to is expecting um, that we will get a negative print for GDP this quarter. The details of that print are really what's going to be key. Last time we had a negative uh, GDP reading, really in the first quarter, um, it was actually uh, because of our net imports. Uh, our, that number was negative. It was actually a lag. GDP it into the negative territory, but the consumer component um, was actually still positive. So I think right now what everyone is going to look at is really if we do get a negative reading, how is the consumer? Did the consumer actually flip to a negative impact on this report? Or is the consumer still somewhat strong showing Two or three or four um, percent consumer spending growth. The details in this GDP reading are really what's going to be key, not just if it's positive or negative.
1: Let's get back to that rate hike. How will the rate hike weigh on U.S. equities for this week, at least?
0: I think the rate hike um, for this weekend—the way it'll it'll really weigh on U.S. equities. Um, would be if the market interprets not just the the rate hike, but the language we get from the Fed around it um, as maybe being a little bit more hawkish than what they're pricing in. Right now, U.S. equities um, in markets in general are actually pricing in a rate cut sometime in the first quarter of 2023 so if, if they get the sense that maybe the Fed is so hawkish they aren't going to be willing to do that, that could actually be bearish for equities. But if they get the sense that the Fed maybe is going to have to uh, come out and maybe put in that rate cut um, either a little bit earlier than expected or maybe do um, even more um, rate cuts than what they're pricing right now with just one, that could actually oddly end up being somewhat bullish for equities. So I think it's going to not only be a matter of just what we hear from the Fed, but also so, what we see from data, because there is actually a slew of economic data coming out this week, outside of that GDP reading, um, that I think will impact the investors' mentality as they digest whatever we do get from the Fed.
1: We've seen the S and P registering a dire first half for the moment. From what you see right now and what we expect from the Fed, do you think that the S and P five hundred has reached its bottom? Do you think we can expect a recovery going forward?
0: Right now, it does look like the S and P five hundred has. Priced in quite a bit of negativity, and although we've gotten a lot of things out already, we get even more out this week. Certainly with the, all the Fang names coming out, it's about a third of of uh, the uh, the SP. If you think about the number, but if you think about the aggregate earnings of what we get from the SP, it's about half. Um, it's really interesting to see how these big tech names are going to respond. Um, to whatever we do here from them and just in terms of supply chains, um, what they're seeing from end demand, that can really uh, cause them pretty big moves and they can drag the S&P 500 with it, whichever way we go. We actually got a little bit spooked last week um, when Snapchat came out and had a pretty uh, negative and dire earnings report. And concern was it wasn't just something like Snapchat making an error or um, a bad business decision. They were just saying across the board We're not seeing the appetite to spend on on ads out there from a lot of these big companies that they rely on. And the theory was, well, if they're not spending on Snapchat, they're probably not spending it for Google. They're probably not spending it for Pinterest or Meta. Um, Those decisions and those read-throughs on what that says about the spending appetite from these companies – it sort of weaves back into earnings reports where these companies are having such big cost pressures that they can't control. They're going out and cutting the costs they can. And sometimes that's these ad and and some of these other discretionary spending decisions that they've made, which sometimes are, they're starting to maybe cut back on those to offset the increased costs of labor and and other inputs to their business.
1: Mm. If you're just tuning in, we are now speaking to Sean Cruz, head trading strategist at TD Ameritrade. Um, Sean, though, at the moment, according to FactSet, we saw about 70% of S&P 500 companies reported earnings. That has been a positive upside surprise, right? 65% of them have reported positive revenue surprise. So even with the disappointing results from Snap and our expectations for tech firms, overall, are we expecting some rebound at the moment?
0: Yeah, and I, I think that is what the market is really going to be keyed in on, and that was has a lot of that, that pessimism around what's to come in the latter half of the year, what we're going to hear from these companies already priced in. And in some cases, we actually have seen that play out. So you can look at these companies and if they've really been beaten up and they're trading at the bottom of their the price range we've seen them trade at for the past year, those companies, usually if all they have to do is not have an absolutely terrible report, they just have a bad one. Investors are saying, well, it could have been worse. We actually thought maybe was was going to be worse. So it's not as bad as we fear. And we've actually seen some of those stocks rally off of that. Netflix is a prime example where you never thought uh, in years past, Netflix could say, hey, we've lost a million subscribers. And everyone said, oh, thank God, just a million subscribers. That would be hard to imagine. But that shows where the market is right now psychologically. They are really prepared for some negative readings, some negative outlooks from these companies. And I think it does show that maybe we are somewhere where we have approached it somewhat of a, a bottom here based off of um, everything that we know around the, just the general global business environment. So I think as long as we don't get just some absolutely terrible outlooks or, or what I'm focusing on, as long as the outlooks aren't absolutely terrible, you might see some investors use it as an opportunity to come in and start buying some of these names that have really gotten uh, beaten down over the past year and use it as an opportunity to start taking small bites. And that in and of itself can support some of these price levels we're trading at um, and can lead to a little bit of a base where we maybe we are near bottom and we can start building a a base to move higher off of for the rest of the year.
1: And Sean, I do want to set our eyes ahead this week. Some of the potential market movers who they Maybe there's McDonald's, Coca-Cola, General Motors, Microsoft, all set to report earnings later tonight. Who will be the biggest movers? Um,
0: I'm actually keeping an eye on McDonald's, and the reason why is typically McDonald's not the uh, the most exciting name to to track out there. But mm-hmm. you can actually get a little bit of a read through on how a lot of consumers are handling. Um, these price pressures that are going on, either at gas or groceries. Um, and it shows, I think, the, the spending habits or the spending appetite um, for a broad swath of the consumer base here, um, domestically in the United States, but also globally, because McDonald's has a massive global footprint. The other reason why I think McDonald's is interesting is you can actually get a read-through on commodities. They use a lot of commodities for like, all the food products that they produce, and they have to do it at scale. Um, But then also the labor, they're a massive employer and labor markets are are a little bit a little bit funky in the United States right now where it's just not only availability, but also the cost is something um, that's really going to weigh on a lot of these companies. So McDonald's might be what I think is an interesting company to watch, just because we're going to get a a pretty good sample of labor, um, cost, and also consumer spending.
1: And Sean, I do want to touch on one company that you mentioned in your report, Twitter. Media reports surfaced that Twitter scored an early win against Elon Musk in a fight to make him complete his buyout, because a judge has agreed to, fast-track the case with an October trial date. So where do you see all of this going? How would that affect Twitter's shares and also, in some cases, Tesla's shares?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tesla, the, the, maybe the, the positive thing was when you get towards earnings and it's a good chance to refocus on the fundamentals and that might have been a benefit for Tesla mm. shareholders is it, it put that, uh, that more front and center in the spotlight. Um, but I think for Twitter, oddly enough, Twitter, if, we, if it comes out that Elon Musk may not be um, purchasing uh, Twitter after all, I actually think you could really see a, a significant pullback in Twitter because right now I would imagine there's at least a, the potential, um, and I, I, it's really interesting to see, get an idea of how people are breaking out those probabilities, but the potential that he may actually have to go out there and buy Tesla at that previously agreed to price up around $54. And if the judge or it comes out that he does have to honor that deal, um, you could see Twitter pop pretty uh, significantly pretty quick. But like I said, if it, if it doesn't, then you're probably going to see a pretty big pullback. So it's just very uncertain right now. And I do think Twitter is probably going to trade day in, day out when we start to get more and more headlines of how that, uh, that uh, fight's playing out in the courts Um, It's going to be a big driver of volatility for Twitter.
1: Sean, can I just confirm that when you mentioned $54, that refers to Twitter, yeah? Just for the sake of our listeners.
0: Yeah. So that was the agreed upon price that Elon Musk initially said he was going to buy Twitter at was $54.50. And then he said, well, it's actually not worth that much because there's more bots than and they disclosed and that was sort of what kicked off this back and forth fight and and i think it's going to be a matter of does he renegotiate the price does the deal fall apart completely or does he uh get forced to actually put that deal uh, through at the previous agreed upon price the interesting part of this case the judge that's hearing this case is one of the few judges out there who had previously forced a, a another party to buy a company at an agreed-upon price. Basically, this judge ruled you can't get out of this deal. You have to honor it. You have to go through. That's not very common um, to hear uh, hear from uh, these judgments. So it's going to be an interesting case to watch.
1: Thank you very much, Mr. Cruz. That was Sean Cruz, head trading strategist at TD Ameritrade.
0: Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.